tonight. I said this at Telequah after he sang that whole song in the invitation. This is December. I preached a sermon last year, get in the winter circle and stay in the winter circles, because if you're a football fan, your desire is your team to play in December. If your team is mediocre, they don't play in December. Their season's over in November. If you're a rodeo fan or a rodeo competitor, your desire is to be, whether it's the ACRA or IPRA or PRCA, is for you to be rodeoing in December and January when those that didn't make the cut are sitting home. And this is the time of year, and we've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, I told them. Don't wear it, but I've got it. Chasing those basketball games this time of year. We know what it's like to have one at Pegs and one at Shoto, and games on Monday, Tuesday. Thank God we was off on Wednesday. They tell me that's in jeopardy now. They may be playing some on Wednesday. But then you played on Thursday and Friday, and if you're in a tournament, you played on Saturday. So I know what it's like to be in a basketball gym on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and even sometimes Saturday. And I simply say, after that song he just sang, there's nothing wrong with football, there's nothing wrong with basketball, and there's nothing wrong with rodeo, as long as those things come underneath the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what that song's talking about. Give me Jesus. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. All the football teams, all the football championships, basketball, as well as rodeo, when it comes time for you to die, that's things that were temporary. It's not going to matter what you've done on the court, on the field, or in the arena. It's going to matter what you've done with Jesus. Sometimes we get caught up in the temporary, and we put the temporary above the eternal. And that song simply reminds us this morning, reminds us again tonight, we need to keep our eyes on that that's permanent, that that is eternal, and not the things that are temporal. And all of God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. If you got your Bibles, hope you do. How about Ephesians? How about where we've come to? And that being Ephesians chapter 5, and that being Ephesians verse 18. Now, I'll remind you, some of the stuff may sound very familiar, because a week ago, Sunday morning, I preached a sermon, the toughest verse in the Bible, and that come from Ephesians 5.20. And you'll hear a lot of things. And since we've started our prayer time, I have been absolutely, positively amazed at how our Sunday morning sermons have carried in to our Sunday night prayer time. It's as if God gets on a subject and says, let's spend a few services there. I don't know if you've caught that, but I have been amazed at that. So some of this stuff's going to sound familiar. Kind of like Thelbert used to do a flyover when he'd do a pipeline job and get a little bit of idea, and then they'd get down on the ground and they'd look it over. 
look it over closely. So maybe Sunday morning last week maybe was a flyover, but now we're going to get out of the plane, we're going to get on the ground, and we're going to look at it closer. How's that? So when we come to Ephesians 5.18, I couldn't help but think in my day and time when me and the wife went to Corton, we went to Dayton, you know, back in those days, you slipped off your class ring and give your woman, your one year's court, and you give her a class ring. And then it wouldn't be long when you'd pull that class ring off of your woman's hand and you'd put on her finger a promise ring. Huh? And then back in my day and time, when you pulled that promise ring off, you'd put on an engagement ring. You staying with me? Class ring, promise ring, engagement ring. And then there was that big day that you put on the wedding ring. And then it starts, the suffering. You're supposed to chuckle there. They tell me that 64% of today's marriages end in divorce and the rest of them are fighting it out till the bitter end. Folks, in Ephesians 5, it's almost as if Paul was saying, Heaven, help our homes. Heaven, help our homes. Because suffering shouldn't be a norm. And fighting it out to the end shouldn't be a norm. So tonight I want to take from Ephesians 5.18, give you something to chew on, on down through Ephesians 6.9. And if it needs a title, Miss Marissa, maybe it's just Heaven Help Us, or Heaven Help the Home. First of all, I would like to point out and have us to chew on that we need to understand the commandment to be filled with the Spirit. Let me say that again. Help us understand, not the suggestion, the commandment to be filled with the Spirit. Have you ever thought of Ephesians 5.18? It's a verse most of us know. Have you ever thought about it as a commandment? I mean, look at it. It says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, folks, in my studies, I realized there is a commandment. That is not a suggestion. Do not be drunk with wine. That is dissipation. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Chew on this with me. We know the commandment is you should not steal. That's not a suggestion. And everybody here says, no, that is a commandment. We think about it says, do not lie. Do not murder. We think of them, we perceive them as commandments, do we not? Do not commit adultery. Do not fornicate. No sexual immorality. We think of them as commands. Those are commanding us of things as Christians, commands, not suggestions, that we are to abstain from. But here we have a commandment not to abstain from, yes, partly, 
do not be drunk with wine, but we have a commandment to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that is a commandment, not something we're commanded not to do. It's a commandment we're something commanded to do, and we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't follow this command, according to James, he who knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin. We commanded to do something good, be filled with the Spirit. And if we don't follow that command, look here. It's sin. Any way you cut it, any way you slice it. He who knows to do good, commanded to be filled with the Spirit, and does not do it. To him it's sin. So that's something to chew on. Maybe you've never saw Ephesians 5.18 as a commandment. But no matter how you slice it or dice it, guess what it is? It's a commandment to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then secondly, in something to chew on tonight, we need to understand the comparison in being filled with the Spirit. Look at it. Do not be drunk with wine, which we know as spirits, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He's comparing... What it's like to be under the influence of alcohol or under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He's just simply saying, your flesh can be under the influence of something. And he compares it. Now, I think about the story that was told about the man that was beat up, bruised, battered. And when they asked him what happened, he said, well, I jumped out of the window of the eighth floor. And they said, why? He said, I thought I could fly. Now, I'm pretty sure that boy might have been under the influence of something. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't the Holy Spirit of God. So when I begin to think about the comparison, now how many of you in here know, knew Ray Barnes? Quiet. Shy. Uh, not a lot like his sister. She's loud. Let me back up and put it right. A lot like his sister, or if you will, he was older. His sister a lot like him. Introvert. And I had been courting her, and I don't remember which ring she had on at the time. But I'd just seen Ray as an introvert. Put on the green country rodeos where I was at. He was just an introvert. He just didn't say much. But one night at Watts, Oklahoma, Ray Dunn went and got in the beer. Ray Dunn went and got in the booze. Now, it was before Christ. Me and old Tim Hammonds, my buddy, we was there. I was roping. And before the end of that rodeo, that introvert had got loud. And I was in awe. Of what Ray turned. It, it come the end of the rodeo. It's time with those 32 foot trailers. The pot wasn't there. It's time to exchange some bucking horses and bulls. But see the whole whole bunch. They done got in the salty dogs. They done got in the, in the alcohol. And listen. Ray come around there. And he was big eyed. He said you know Timmy. Can you haul them bulls home. And I mean I'm just flabbergasted. I'd never seen this 
introvert, quiet, shy, Ray like this. And old Tim was standing beside me, and Tim was getting nervous. He was getting antsy. And he said, I've never pulled anything bigger than a 16-foot bumper trailer. I don't want to pull that 32-foot trailer full of bucking bulls down these narrow roads up that big hill to Moody. I don't want to do that. And I'll never forget old Ray looked at old Tim and said, Listen, I'm going to have a good time. Hook, Get in that truck. Take off. And if you wreck that thing, we'll fix it next week. You hear me? I'd never seen that side of Ray Barnes. But I'd never seen him under the influence of alcohol. But I seen something that I'd never seen out of Ray Barnes that night. You with me? He was quiet. He was shy. And if there wasn't ever an introvert, let me tell you, maybe if you looked it up in the dictionary, introvert Ray Barnes' name would be beside it. But let me tell you what happened. Right over there, catty corner from Ronnie and Reba's place, Don and I used to own a place. We got saved in her January, me February. God put on our heart to have an outreach in our front yard. We cooked for everybody. And one of those folks that showed up that night, two of those folks was Ray and Kathy Barnes. And when the invitation was given, let me tell you what quiet, shy, introvert Ray Barnes done. He walked the aisle. He prayed the single greatest prayer that you could ever pray when he asked God to forgive him, save him, change him. You with me? And it wasn't long I watched quiet, shy Ray Barnes stand in front of a youth group stand behind this pulpit and do things that he normally wouldn't do. The difference in Watts, Oklahoma and what I saw in the youth group behind this pulpit, at Watts he was under the inspiration of alcohol. And I saw a Ray Barnes that I'd never saw. But after that, he was filled with the Spirit of God. And God took the introvert and I watched something that wasn't really Ray Barnes. It was the Spirit of God in Ray Barnes. Something to chew on. See the commandment of being filled with the Spirit. See the comparison of being filled with the Spirit. You get filled with alcohol, you'll do things that's not the norm, but they won't be good things. They'll be embarrassing things. But you get filled with the Spirit of God, you'll do different things, but they'll be good things, and they'll bring glory to Almighty God. And then I want you to understand the consequences, the outcome of being filled with the Spirit. Let me give you the consequences of being filled with alcohol. You ready for these? This is some stats I looked up. Consequences of being filled with alcohol. Seventy percent, seventy percent of drownings are alcohol related. I've done some research. 50% of highway deaths, alcohol's involved. Listen to these stats. 50% of homicides, drugs or alcohol, is involved. 
30% of suicides, and I dare to say I bet that's higher now, the people are under the influence of alcohol or some other drug. Are you with me? Do you see the consequences of disobeying this command? They're detrimental. They're bad. I always think when I look at those stats, I think about yard darts. And when I think about yard darts, let me just tell you, if you think money don't drive our politician and our laws, you're wrong. Yard darts. Kind of like horseshoes. I just say you lay a hula hoop down there. Just like you do cornhole boards or, or stakes for horseshoes. But this time you got darts and they, they stick in the ground. So you got two players on that end, two players on this end. Like horseshoes, you're not throwing a horseshoe. You're not throwing a cornhole bag. You're throwing a dart with a sharp edge that's going to stick in the ground. You with me? Do you know when they first come out, there was two deaths in the game of yard darts. Do you know they outlawed yard darts? Do you know the two deaths, both of them were drunk? That's 100%. Makes you raise a brow, why ain't we outlawing alcohol? If that was involved 100% of yard dart deaths, 70% of drownings, 50% of highway deaths, 50% of homicides, and 30% of suicides, let me say it again. If you don't think money drives our laws, you're wrong. It just seems simple to me to do away with alcohol. And we might do away with some of the things that's bringing forth. That's the consequences of being filled with wine under the influence of of the drug or alcohol. So now, what's the consequences of being filled with the Holy Spirit? I promise you they're a lot different. Are you ready? Number one, it's going to be right here in our text. You're going to be a better church member. And as your pastor, I'm all for all of us, including me, being better church members. Man, I, I would love for this church to set the goal of I want to be the best church member exciting Southeast has got. Well, I promise you, you'll be a way better church member if you'll follow the command of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, watch what happens. Ephesians 5.18, he tells us, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, look here. Consequences is you're going to be a better church member because your praise is going to get right. When you're filled with the Spirit, your praise is going to get right. Look at it. It's right there in the Scripture. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I mean, come on. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be a better church member because our praise and our worship is going to be right. But look here. Secondly... The consequence of being filled with the Spirit. You're going to be a better church member. Not only is your praise going to get right, your prayer's going to get right. Look at that toughest verse in the Bible. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? Looky there. Not only is our praise going to get better, 
our prayers are going to get better because only when you're filled with the Holy Spirit are you going to be able to live out the toughest verse in the Bible and be able to give God thanks always and all things. You're going to be a better church member because your praise is going to get right. Your prayer is going to get right. And look here. You getting along with other brothers and sisters is going to get right. Look at verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to submit to one another. What did it say? In the fear of God. See, the problem with all these people that can't get along, as Harold Bible says, I've seen more love in a bar than I have in the church sometimes. You want me to tell you why? He saw more love in the bar than he has in the church. Because the church members are not following the command to be filled with the Spirit. They're letting the flesh rule. They're letting the flesh reign. And we got all these church divisions because the people hadn't followed the command to be filled with the Spirit. Therefore, you want your way. You don't want them to have their way. And they're not getting along. That's what causes church splits. But listen, you get filled with the Spirit of God. Good. Listen. You're going to be a better church member. Your praise is going to be right. Your prayer is going to be right. And guess what? You can get along with anybody when you're filled with the Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Something to chew on. The consequence of being filled with the Spirit, I'm a better church member. Here in a minute, we're going to have our prayer time. I hope we all pray to be a better church member. But heaven help the home. When you get filled with the Spirit, are you ready? You're going to be a better family member. You're going to be a better wife. Look at it. Look at the next verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in a few things. That's what you do in the flesh, ladies. But when you feel with the Spirit, you can do it in everything. Do you realize the consequences of being filled with the Spirit, ladies? Is you can be a better wife. You can be a better mama. And I promise you, you ought to desire to be a better wife. You ought to desire to be a better mama. But I promise your husband desires you to be a better wife. And your kids desire you to be a better mama. And right there, it's spelled out just as plain as you can spell it out in the Scriptures. How you become that better wife and that better mama, you just simply get filled with the Spirit. You just simply... Follow the command of Almighty God. And what you couldn't do in the flesh when you got under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you could become that wife and mama that you couldn't become in the flesh. It helps you to be a better family member, ladies. But then, look here. Men, it helps you to become a better husband. Look at it. They just got a few verses. You think God knows we ain't hard-headed men? I mean, they just had a few. What did they have? Three or four? Now I'm fixing to have to read about ten verses because that's just how hard-headed we are, man. But we can be a better family member. We can be a better husband. Look at it. Hus- and let me just back up. All that is is rank and order if you didn't catch it in those verses. 
Everything that God put, there's rank and order. And listen, ladies, part of the curse is you want their spot. And part of the curse, men, is you don't want that spot. But guess what? You didn't have a choice. If you're a man, you're the head of the household. If you're a woman, you're second in command. You got that? When you join the army, there's rank and order. Can you imagine what the army would be like if there wasn't rank and order? Be chaotic. In your workplace, guess what there is? There's rank and order. Can you imagine what it would be like without it? Chaotic. God's way ahead uh, of the workplace. He's way ahead of everything. He put rank and order. And he just said it. You've got to be filled with the Spirit, though, to follow this rank and order. So, better family member, wives. But better family member, husbands, daddies. Look here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Men ought to be the spiritual leaders. That he might present, to her, present her to himself as a, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Can I stop there and back up and say, wives, you should submit not to just a husband, your own husband. Can I back up men? He put it in the Scriptures for a reason. You're to be a sacrificial husband, not to just a wife, but your own wife. Look in there. It's in both places. Your own husband, your own wife. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Rank and order. You was a kid in a home, and now you're going to be the daddy in a home. You got to leave mom and daddy. A problem in a lot of marriages today, mom and daddies never get left. They're still a part of the marriage. You've got to become your own. And then it says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and, the let, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, I hear a lot of men saying, man, I just wish my wife would submit. I've touched on it. God's tying them together. I've never seen a wife not be willing to submit to a husband that fulfills what I just read. But I've never seen a husband fulfill what I just read unless he be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, the consequences is you're better family members. You're better family members. Better wives, better husbands. But look here, kids, I know we ain't got many in the house tonight. 
But when it says you be filled with the Spirit, you'll be a better family member. It don't leave the kids out. Look right there. Children, Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Rank and order deal. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. Listen to this. Which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. You want me to break that down? Anybody ever had it said like my mama said it? I brought you into this world, boy. And I can take you out. Now it says right there, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which, listen to this, it's the first commandment. And when you follow this commandment, that it may be well with you and you may live long. It's as if God says, you disobey them. They did bring you in and they will take you out. Look here, being filled with the Spirit, you're just a better family member. You're just a better wife. You're just a better husband. You're just a better kid. But then, man, dadgummit, if he don't come back and get us again. Be filled with the Spirit, you'll be a better daddy. Look what it says right there in verse 4. And you fathers... Didn't get enough said to us as, da- as husbands, did he? And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. How many times do I see it, whether it be on what I mentioned previous? Basketball court, football field, and in the arena. I've watched daddy after daddy do a lot of provoking. Now, that could be a couple of different reasons. They're trying to live their life through their kids. And they're wanting their kids to get done on the court what they couldn't. Get done on the field what they couldn't. Get done on the arena what they couldn't. And they've got such high expectations and they couldn't get it done. They want their kids to do it. Let me tell you what they do. They provoke their kids. If you look at that verse real close, let me tell you what we do. We don't provoke them. We teach them. And what is crazy to me is what we as parents, or what parents as a whole, is teaching kids that are on the fields, on the courts, and in the arena. And there's a lot of stuff went on at the NFR this year when a bareback rider used the F word in the camera. And look here. And he said it right to the judges. And I just want to make this point. I am proud to be in a sport that we've yet to have the first person kneel at the National Anthem. I'm proud to be a sport where if you are out of line with the authority, the judge, you get fined. And when all of that happened... All of these people that don't have no idea about rodeo said, are you kidding me? In rodeo, they, you don't think everybody's heard the F word? 
And I wanted to get on there and tell them people, no, the rodeo is trying to keep their sport from becoming like every other sport where professional players can go over there when they don't like a call and they can give the referee a cussing like you ain't never heard, go to a pro game and sit anywhere in the building and you'll hear them talk to the officials like they are dogs. And they don't. Con- they might get a little technical. Where if they question a call, if they start getting fined about two or three thousand dollars every time they done it, they might. So let me just tell you what the sport of rodeo is trying to do. They're trying not to provoke kids. They're trying to teach kids that you respect the people that's judges. What they say is final, and what they say goes. And you, if you disagree, there's other ways to handle it. You with me? And we've watched daddies provoking kids that's turned our professional sports into the biggest circus I've ever seen. Again, I will say to you, I am proud to be part of a sport where we've yet to have one person kneel at the national anthem. And they're trying to keep that sport from the kids being provoked, and they're trying to teach our young people when the judge makes a call, it's final, and if you don't agree with it, there's a way to handle it other than going to him with the cameras on and giving him a cussing. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what, daddies? You won't provoke your kids. You'll teach them who's the authority on that court, on that field, and in that arena. You don't have to respect that person because there's some bad authorities. But what you do have to respect is the position. And you respect that position when you're on that court, on that field, or in that arena. That's just a little bit, that's a little bit of uh, in my, uh, uh, cookleburr in my, what do you call that when it's in your, I don't know what you call it, something in my crawl. I got something in my crawl this week about all these people jumping on. The cow, you kidding me? A cowboy can't handle an F word. I bet, I bet. Listen, there's a bunch of them that handle it, say it. But they're trying to keep it professional where it's not said, where it's said in Nash, on a, a stage that big. And that happens when we provoke our kids and we don't teach our kids. You're just going to be a better daddy when you understand those things. Better, and, and then look here. I said if you, the consequence of being filled with the Spirit, we've got something to chew on, we're going to have something to pray about. You become a better church member. I mean, who don't want to praise right, pray right, and get along? That's the consequence of being filled with spirit. You become a better family member. Wife, daddy, husband, mama, kid. You should want to be the best family member that you can be. Huh? But look here, it goes on. You'll be a better work member. Look what it goes on to say. It says, bond servants, you will be a better employee. You get filled with the Spirit. You will be a better employee. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. When you go to work this week, work for the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. When you get to the job, realize, hey, I'm not working for, I'm not working for exciting Southeast. I'm working for the Lord. 
I'm not, I'm not working for, for Shoto Public Schools. I'm working for the Lord. Come on. If we had that mindset, what kind of employee would we be? And that's what it says right here. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Just go to work, employees, working for the Lord, and you're going to get rewarded. And isn't it easy when the employer's not watching to slack just a tick? It is. When, when I, in my transition of becoming a truck driver to a preacher, I had that in-between job. Me and Colonel Scott Ogilvie mowed yards together. And when I bought that business, little did I know one good flu season would put me out of business. You say, what do you mean? Every person I mowed a yard for was above the age of 90. And I thought, boy, one good flu season, I'll be out of business. And when you mow for 90-year-olds, I think of Miss Inez Gaither. She had a pretty good-sized place at the edge of Pryor, like seven acres. And Miss Inez, she was up in her mid-90s. She couldn't even, I'd never seen her out of her house, never. But you know what Miss Inez wanted from me and old Colonel Ogilvie? She wanted every stitch of that seven acres mowed. That's fine. But she wanted every tree on that seven acres weed-eated around. She'd never been out of that house. And let me tell you what happens in the mowing business. Let me tell you what's going to happen up and coming this August. I'm going to make a prediction. Predict it gets hot. Just does that every, every August. Well, let me tell you what, when you're mowing seven acres and you're packing a weed eater around 100 trees, you get to not wanting to weed eat around 100 trees, especially when one of them's at the back of the seven acres. And one day I'd weed eated the front part of those trees, and I says to self, self, Inez ain't been out of that house in five years. I said, self, Inez ain't going to know if you weed eat around all these trees. Self, how much... Grass has really grown around these trees. Come on, it's August, self. And I'll tell you what, I turned around to head back to the truck. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Inez may not be out of the house. But I said, hi, and I look low. And that step that I took to go back to our mowing truck, I just made it a 360. And I just went to the back of that seven acres and went ahead and weed-eated around those trees. Folks, how many times have we shorted our employee, employer or the person we're working for because they wouldn't know if we'd done it or not? Get filled with the Spirit, and I'll tell you what you'll do. You won't worry about pleasing man. You'll worry about pleasing God. How many times have we heard this, Mark? How will it look from the highway? setting a post, hanging a gate, whatever it is. I've heard it a bunch of times. Oh, how it looks fine from the highway. That isn't the question we ought to be asking. The question we ought to be asking, how's it look from heaven? Feel with the Spirit, you might do your job just a little bit better, make you a better worker. But now, some of you are not employees, you're employers. You get filled with the Spirit, guess what? The consequences is you become a better boss. Look at it. And you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, 
knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Hey, employees, go ahead and treat your employers, go ahead and treat your employees the same way God treats you. That might help you be a little better boss. Amen. So can you see tonight something to chew on, the commandment to be filled with the Spirit, the comparison to be filled with the Spirit, and the consequences of being filled with the Spirit rather than the spirits, alcohol or drugs. They're way better than the consequences of being filled or not filled at all. And then lastly, and I'll say we'll get into our prayer time, something to chew on is you better not only understand the command to be filled with the Spirit, the comparison to be filled with the Spirit, and the consequences of being filled with the Spirit, you better understand the condition of being without the Spirit. Romans 8 9 puts it real plain, gets it right down where the rubber meets the road, when it says, Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, you don't belong to God. See, when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. See, John 3 says, Unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's where I got in trouble with that Catholic boy on that verse right there. He didn't agree with what I preached. And it really didn't matter if he agreed with me or not. Unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. You better understand the condition that you're in if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God. Let's all stand.